It's Richard Ellis Talks with founding pastor of Reunion Church in the heart of downtown Dallas, Richard Ellis. Whether you find yourself in a good place or a difficult place, perhaps even in a very lonely place, you've come to the right place. A place to hear that you matter, to hear that you're loved, and that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Now, if you're not able to enjoy today's entire program, just go to the website, richardellistalks.com. All of these video talks plus hundreds of audio talks are waiting to encourage you, challenge you, and to give you hope at richardellistalks.com. So with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is, It's Your Call. So there's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, this woman named Hannah, girl named Hannah. She couldn't have kids. She was barren. Uh, then verse 11 of 1 Samuel uh, 1, then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, didn't just ask for a kid, I'm asking for a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. If you keep reading the story, God answers her prayer. She weans the child Samuel um, and at about the age probably of four, she takes him to Eli at the temple and gives him to God. You say, well, that's crazy. She had a kid, but she didn't have a kid. She made a vow. She promised something. You give me a kid, and I will give him back to you. And Samuel went to live uh, at the temple. Even had vestments that he wore that they wore, which was very unusual for kids to be wearing that. So 1 Samuel 3, go over there. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. So this is sad. This is so sad. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow dim, so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel. So the Lord called Samuel, calls out his name. And he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and lay down. So Samuel, this kid hears someone call his name. And he thinks it's Eli, so he jumps up and said, here I am. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. This is very fascinating. How could he be working in the temple, was consecrated, given to God to work in the temple from a child on, and yet look at this phrase, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. I think this characterizes a lot of Christians, actually. Now you say, well, how can you be a Christian and not know the Lord? Now he knows you, he knows me completely, but do I know him? And that's a different question. And here with Samuel, again, the statement is, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. So he's working in the temple, but in terms of God revealing stuff to him, uh, that's, another, that's another thing. 
Verse 8, and the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Then finally Eli figures out, somebody's calling him. It's not me. The Lord is calling him. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, so here were the instructions, go lie down and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, here's what you say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Now I'm going to give you some great advice. Sooner or later, even if you're not a Christian, um, you're going to hear his voice. That's the only way you can get saved. He is going to touch your life. And I'm gonna t I highly recommend, okay, Lord, I'm listening. Okay, God, I'm listening. If you're a Christian and you're barreling through your life and he honors you by speaking to you from Scripture, the Holy Spirit living in you, I would all stop and say, Lord, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. I'm listening. Um, I don't think that God is not speaking. I think that we are not listening, and even if we are listening, we don't like what we hear, and we just go back to what we were doing. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times. Now the Lord came and stood. So he's there with Samuel. And called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. I love this stuff. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. So his sons got out of control, and he didn't stop them, so that's on him. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So there's no hope for this one. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He answered, here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? So what does Eli know? God showed up for Samuel last night. And he said something, because Eli knows how it works. And now Eli wants to know what the Lord has said. What is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. So if you don't tell me the truth, I'm praying that God will do to you what you're not telling me and you don't want that. Then Samuel told him everything of all the things that he said, <clears throat> everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord let him do what seems good to him. In other words, that's, what, that's probably exactly what he said. And that whatever seems good, we'll go with that. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. That is beautiful imagery. He was with him, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. In other words, there were no wasted words. 
And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Go to uh, John chapter 8, and let's go down to verse uh, 30. And this is Jesus speaking. It says, As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, um, this kind of freedom is tricky. Because if you're free, that means, some people think, well, I'm just free to go do what I want to do. And there's a, this is part of becoming a, Christian, becoming a Christian that is actually pretty hard for people, especially if they have been laden down with these burdens of guilt and fear and everything. Finally, they realize their sins are forgiven, they're free, and it's kind of a wahoo moment. Like, I can just go do whatever because there's grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness. So no matter what I do, he's going to forgive me. And so some Christians spin out and, and go out there and live like hell, kind of. And then that starts to, to, to crumble. And they go, what happened? He said, I didn't set you free to go be a slave of sin again. I set you free to live the life that I intended. And if you look at the sequence of these verses, what did he say to these who had believed? If you abide in my word, right? You have to stay connected to the word of God. You have to know what the scripture says. You have to see who God is, what he says, what he intends for your life, what is possible. And if you don't stay in that lane, there's all kind of noise, all kind of distraction, all kind of quote unquote truth that will come at you. And if you don't know the truth when you hear it, you get pulled away and then you're gone. You have to abide in his word. That's the proof that you are his disciple indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Now, what happens when that sequence is going on? Then God says, it's your call. But what do you want? You don't want anything but what he wants. Right? And a few verses down, they answered and said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free. In other words, this context, free from sin. You don't, you're not required to go sin. Um, I, it's hard to even describe this, living this way. And I'm not saying I live this way 100% of the time. But I did not know what living free was all about. Um, so I'll, I'll give you just a simple example. You wake up, uh, and usually I'll pray with Rebecca before I leave the house, and one of my prayers, at least personally or with her, is, you know, Lord, use us. You know, use me, use her, the opportunities we have today. So you're, you're engaged, right? You're communicating with him. You want his will. So you go about your day. You're working. You're meeting with people. You're praying for wisdom, doing whatever it is you do. And let's say you're going to go eat lunch somewhere. Well, what do you do? I usually say, Lord, where do you want me to go? And you say, well, what are you hungry for? I mean, that's what people say, well, what do I want? This is not about what I want. If there's somewhere he needs me and I'm supposed to be, he'll tell me that. You say, well, how's he telling you that? I don't, I'm just telling you. If you ain't asking, you ain't hearing. Why don't you ask him? 
and inadvertently pray, there are times when what do you think I hear is? It's your call. Go where you want to go. But there are also times where I get a specific answer, and then I go there, even if I'm not hungry for that, and you get in there, now what's going on? Dude, my radar is running. Why am I here? What is going on? What is the purpose for this? Why did he tell me here? So the waiter, the everybody in the, in the place coming and going, you pay attention. should be that way all the time. Right? Now you say, well, I don't live that way. That may be okay, and I'll tell you where it's okay. If you're a brand new Christian, there's a time when you're trying to figure stuff out. I get that. That, and I've said this repeatedly. People say, oh, you come down on hard on people because they don't grow up. There is a period of time where it is reasonable to say, this is enough time for you to be growing up. You cannot be an infant, a newborn, for 50 years. That doesn't even make sense. Now, if the church is not doing its job and we are not raising children, people that are born again and need to be raised, then that's on us. Some of that's on us. But some of it is on the people who say, I don't, want any, I don't have any interest in that. I've gone back to my sin. And now God is using all kinds of circumstances and discipline to try to get you to say, okay, uncle, I'm back. Okay. Uh, so we... We're at Acts 9. And by the way, I don't normally tell you those pieces of the process, but let me tell you why I think that's important. You've got to stay calm, right? There, there is no panic. He has something to say. And maybe what I had in there, that was not the direction. And so, and some things got added this morning that were not there last night. It's okay. Oh my gosh, I get this all the time. Well, I'm afraid to witness. What if I say the wrong thing? And let me, let me give you a little bit of, just a little bit of insight. What if you say no thing? Right? And I have this, for some reason, this thought of driving down the road and coming up on an accident, and someone is so injured they can't breathe, they're on the verge of dying. I don't know CPR. I've not been trained professionally. I've never delivered a baby but I will tell you my instinct. I will breathe, pound, I will do whatever I possibly can. If I've even seen it in a movie, I will try something. Even if I kill them trying. Because they might have a better shot if I'm trying something in most cases than me just standing there going, you know, rest in peace and sorry. If a woman's having a baby, and you go, well, it's not my wife, not my baby, and she's having trouble. You better get that baby out of that woman, whether you know what you're doing or not. Help the person, right? Now, if I keep having these thoughts and think, oh, what if I rolled up on an accident and had to give CPR? Why don't I just go learn how to do CPR, right? How hard could this be? Because if that's what you're thinking, like, well, dude, if you keep thinking that's going to happen, why don't you get trained? And I say, yeah, dude, if you think it's going to happen, why don't you get trained? Do you hear the echo? <laughs> oh, I'm afraid I'm going to say the wrong thing. Well, then let's figure out how to teach you to say the right thing. Because saying your word, you're going to say the wrong thing, turns out to be saying the wrong thing. Now you say, well, how does all this fit together? 
if you're not dead, you're here for a reason, right? You got to figure this out. And every day you wake up and what does God say? Okay, it's your call. But I'm telling you, what I've left you here for is your call. So what are we going to do today? Ah, you know, hit me again tomorrow. I'm out today. I got to, you know, this is the day that you made, but I'm going to live it. Check back with me tomorrow. And then tomorrow turns into 10 years. And he's merciful, he's kind, but you're going to run out of sand. That sand keeps dropping, keeps dropping, and you don't know how much is left in the top. And you're going to run out of sand. And then you're going to give an account for this life. Let me tell you what opportunity I was given. I was sitting on the front row of a little church when I was six years old, and my daddy told me, that Jesus died on the cross and was buried and raised from the dead for me. And I seized that opportunity because it was my call. That was God speaking to that little boy's heart. That's what changed my life. And I will give an account and you will give an account for what you do with that as a believer. You cannot make excuses I don't know so-and-so, I'm the wrong color, I wasn't born in the right place. When Jesus moves in, everything changes. Everything. The opportunities become endless. I am a servant of the Most High God. I am a child. I am his, I am his child. Who could want better for me than him? And he's not going to randomly subject me to suffering and pain just for fun. He's trying to accomplish something in me so that he can accomplish something through me. And I have to be okay with that no matter what that is. Acts 9, 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Go with him. He's a chosen vessel. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Okay, so we, we want to we believe that. All things work together for good. But who do they work together for good for? To those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So you're not going to trust that everything's going to work together for the good unless you love God and are called according to his purpose. Because there's some stuff that doesn't make any sense. Some of these verses are really nice until they come up on really bad situations. And then they're hard. They're impossible. But they work. Because God can take whatever that thing is and do what? What he said, work it all together for the good. Verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. So it's a done deal. 
If you're a Christian, it's because you were predestined to Christianity to be his child. And because he chose you, then he called you. And if he called you, you clearly had to hear him and respond. And then he justified you, and as though it were already done, you're glorified. It's a finished deal. So there is no doubt if you're a Christian that you're called. Called to be his child, but also called to let him live in you and through you. So what was the verse again? Romans 11, 28 and 29. Everybody look at that. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their, their disobedience, even so these also have now, now been disobedient, that though the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. Through the mercy they show you, they also may obtain mercy. So, back to that verse. The gifts and the calling of God are, are irrevocable without repentance. He's not going away. And if he's told you to do something and that's who he's made you to be and told you what to do, that is what you have to do. You say, I'm not doing it. Let me tell you something about, about that. You will do it or you will die. And why in the world would you kick against God's will holding on to something that is never going to give you any peace, any joy. Just yield for Christ's sake. Yield for your sake. Yield. It's your call. Are you going to take the call? And you say, no, put him on hold. Let me pray about it. Or you say, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. I'll take that call. I'm up. Here am I. Speak. Your servant listens. I'll go. I'll do it. What about your family? I don't know. He's my family. Because he shows up. And this is what I know. If you will yield to him, he shows up for you too. And I don't eat where you eat. I don't go where you go. But you have to be there. And some manager, some waitress, some employee, some coworker, some neighbor is waiting for you to take the call because it's your call and some grandma somewhere is praying for their daughter that moved to Dallas or Memphis or wherever you live and you're up or not that ought to do it alright Lord that's what, you, that's what we got so I pray that in this room and beyond this room, Lord, that even baby Christians, brand new Christians would go, wow, there's something to that. And I want to grow up as fast as I can to get on with whatever this is. And that people who are stuck in the mud, and it's not that you never spoke to them, Lord. You, you, you can't live without a call and be a Christian. There's some call. And uh, so they know what it is. They've just been fighting it forever, and it's not working out really well. 
So I pray that today would be the day, Lord, that we yield like never before. And especially for someone that hears your voice, they know it's you, and they're not even a Christian yet. And they, they can't argue with it anymore. They can't say there's nothing to this. It, it has to be God. It's, it's unexplainable. And they know God's basically saying, look, it's your call. You got to do something about this. But I've done everything I can do. I've told you that I love you. I sent my own kid down there to die on a cross, be buried and raised from the dead. And he deserved none of that. But he was willing to do it, and I was willing to let him do it because of you. But it's your call. And yes, you can tell me no, but it's not going to go well if you don't. So make the right call. And just say yes, like the, like the, the guy in the restaurant the other day. Just say, God, I, I, I have no idea. I know where I, I wouldn't make heaven. And I got all this sin. I can't, I have nowhere to take it. Nobody will take it. I can't bury it. It just it doesn't go away. And, and I understand now that you love me. And you'll forgive me of all my sin. So I do believe that Jesus died on that cross, was buried and raised from the dead to pay for my sin personally and to offer me eternal life as a gift. I accept that gift. I ask you right now, immediately, come live in me. Take over my life. Fill me where I've been so empty and confirm your presence in me so that I know I'm not by myself anymore and I don't have to be afraid to die because I'll be with you and I don't have to be afraid to live because you've got a plan and you're going to sort all these things out according to your purpose and your riches. Thank you for saving me, God, for being patient that I didn't die before this day and now help me grow, help me get connected to some people who know you so that I don't just say I met you but that I can know you and you can reveal yourself to me more and more along the way. And Father, for Christians, this is the day, today's the day that it could be unleashed like never before because we have heard your voice and we are your children and it's just a question of whether we will hear and heed, whether we will obey, whether we will get out of the way completely and be who you want us to be and do what you want us to do and not be afraid of saying the wrong thing, but just to let you speak, let you live, connect with you in such a way that your words are our words. And we can be salt and light wherever you, wherever you want us to be. You're the best, Lord. So crazy. Um, here we believe all this stuff and we've never seen you yet. Like the wind, we don't see the wind, but we know when you come through. And I thank you so much for coming through. Because if you don't, we don't. We don't make it. So we worship you. We praise you. We trust you. And we can't wait to see you. With new eyes, new bodies, new heaven, new earth, new everything. But help us take as many people with us when we go as we can. Because who would want to miss you in that? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
We'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime on the website richardellistalks.com. There you'll find the full version of today's talk, plus hundreds more of Richard's challenging and encouraging audio and video talks. Then discover over a thousand cities where Richard Ellis Talks is broadcast. Or you can share a request on the prayer wall. Plus, if you'd like to consider a gift, learn how to join the financial partnership team and so much more at richardellistalks.com. So let's meet again here next time to talk about how God is ready to change your life starting today with Richard Ellis Talks. Richard Ellis Talks.